Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here to talk everything Wisconsin athletics. Before we get into the show today, we're just going to give you guys a quick rundown of the schedule for this week. Obviously, with Thanksgiving coming up, uh, things are a little different. We know everybody's busy. Uh, you know, we know people are traveling Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and everything like that. So. Uh, today's show is just going to be a short Purdue recap and a little bit of Wisconsin basketball recap. Uh, and then we're going to release our second episode of the week later, probably on Wednesday, just to give you get, and that'll be a, a much longer show. We, we try to average around 45 minutes to an hour on each show. This one's probably going to be a little shorter. That one will probably be a little longer because we're going to dive into both the Wisconsin basketball tournament out in Brooklyn. And then of course, preview the huge, uh, Wisconsin-Minnesota game. So this one's going to be a little bit condensed. We're just going to dive into Purdue, and then we'll have a full show a little longer uh, later in the week. So just giving you guys a heads up on that. We know with the holidays uh, coming up, it's a little harder, but uh, that's what we're thinking uh, in terms of a schedule. Matt, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Uh, kind of like you mentioned, a little back uh, behind-the-scenes action. You know, we're just about an hour away from the Badgers taking on Richmond, which I think will be a sweet game, and it'll be exciting to see that. So kind of trying to get this podcast in and out and ready to roll. How are you doing, man? Good, good. I can't complain. Obviously, yeah, like you said, it's gonna. I think this will be a fun tournament to watch. Um, yeah, in terms of basketball, I think if they, I think that all four teams in this tournament are are, are pretty solid. Uh, so it'll be fun to see how this whole thing shakes out, and excited to be able to watch Wisconsin basketball because I've. I've Missed the last couple games, uh, aside from the Marquette game. Uh, I missed the Green Bay game. I didn't get a chance to catch any of that. Um, so I'll ask you, uh, since we'll get sort of into it, what did you see from uh, the Badgers' last game before they uh, headed to Brooklyn against the Green Bay Fighting Phoenix? Um, you know, I think I think it was more of the same. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, distributing the ball around really nicely. They had 24 assists. They kind of they had six different players in double figures, which is always great to see. Kind of more of the same in terms of spreading the wealth around a little bit, which has been awesome. Uh, they shot the ball really well, which I think was the biggest thing. They shot uh, 48% from three-point land, and and in the first half they were kind of just unconscious from from three-point arc. Uh, they shot still well from the free throw line and, you know, outside of, you know, some sloppiness at times, I thought the Badgers looked really well, uh, real, looked really good. And I think it was encouraging in a kind of your final tune up game prior to taking on a really good Richmond spider team, uh, later on today. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, from what I saw in the stat sheet, it, it seemed like more of the same. So I'm glad that you kind of confirmed that because I was looking through the box score and it looked like it looked like they shot the ball well, distributed the ball well. Um, but it, it's obviously stats can sometimes tell a different story. So it'd be interesting to see if that continues, you know, that trend that they've had of balancing the scoring and distributing the basketball within the entire team. It'd be interesting to see how that translates uh, to this tournament in uh, out in Brooklyn, I, I, I saw some pictures from uh, their practice this morning. It looked pretty cool to be in the Nets facility uh, for them. So I'm sure, as a whole, this is exciting. I mean, this is just an exciting week of, of college athletics, both on the both on the hardwood and on the football field, don't you say? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, in, even beyond Wisconsin, you know, with every time it's kind of that Thanksgiving weekend, you get extended college football coverage with. They're the Egg Bowl on Thursday, and then Friday they got a huge slate, uh, you know, kind of mirroring a normal Saturday. And then Saturday you get rivalry weekend. So it's it should be a really fun one uh, for, for fans to kind of jump in, and I know I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, I think this, I think this slate of rivalry weekend-type games is probably the best, uh, you know, in terms of implications for the season. You've got Wisconsin and Minnesota, obviously, in their biggest, probably the biggest rivalry game for them in the past 15 to 20 years, if not forever, which we'll talk about more later in the week. But you've still got Ohio State, Michigan. You've still got Auburn, Alabama. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is an underrated game. You've got um, some some divisions that still have to play out. You've got Memphis, Cincinnati, games like that that uh, are really underrated and just a huge slate of just just taking in some basketball, taking in some football, and then just stuffing your face with food. What What more can you really ask for, right? Yeah, what could go wrong, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it'll be a fun, fun week for everybody. I hope everyone, obviously, uh, as we get closer to Thanksgiving, hopefully everybody has a good week and enjoys this this great week of sports because you really can't ask for much more. Um, but uh, let's get into a little bit of the football game. Obviously, uh, Purdue, you know, big win for the Badgers. Kind of sloppy overall. Got the win. Got in. Got out took care of business so at the end of the day it's it's a moot point but certainly there were some things that need to be addressed this week coming into this minnesota game so what were just your kind of initial thoughts and and just about this about this purdue matchup you know i think everybody kind of went in and kind of predicted wisconsin would be able to kind of run run away with it and in a sense they did especially after some some adjustments after that first quarter you know the badgers really came out struggling in the in the first three drives that Purdue kind of was able to put some things together, kind of some sloppiness on offense. But overall, I mean, you put up 45 points and, and hold a team under 25, you're pretty good with that, you know? So I think it's overall a lot of things to clean up, but at the same time, a win's a win. And I think you rinse, repeat and get out there and get ready for Minnesota. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think we both kind of expected maybe a slow start and, you know, we addressed it kind of with a senior day conversation that, these, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on outside of the football game where you kind of expected a slow start. And we certainly kind of saw that. But like you said, this was still, you know, score wise, this was still a dominating effort. I think Wisconsin it just sort of bit themselves and shot themselves in the foot on a lot of on a lot of drives with the turnovers but overall they still won this game fairly handily and you think about if you don't turn the ball over four times and, and where if those drive finishing points this is probably you know, a blowout affair so I know people were frustrated with 
with the overall game, the the missed tackles, the chunk plays, and of course the turnovers. But you you kind of had to expect Wisconsin to be a little flat in this game, given uh, what's coming up this weekend. And so that's kind of brings me to my next question. Do you think the Badgers were kind of looking ahead a little bit over Purdue and, and starting to maybe peak at that Minnesota matchup? I think possibly just a smidge. I think the bigger thing was that Purdue was willing to throw the kitchen sink at them, especially in those first three drives. You know, anytime you're taking on a team that has nothing to lose, Purdue was really fighting to try to get into a bowl. Um, you know, obviously they can't anymore with their four wins, but they that was still on the precipice for them. So they were really going gunging for it. Uh, and, you know, and they're able to chart those drives, really use everything that they had. And Purdue did that last year, too, and the year before that when they came to Camp Randall. So that wasn't super surprising. But, it, you know, I, I think the team had to have been looking ahead a little bit. I don't know how you couldn't be with, with such a big game, uh, you know, looming. Oh, yeah. I mean, a huge game. And you think about all the different narratives for this upcoming game is it, it's it, it's human nature to, to to peek ahead and maybe focus on some things that you weren't focused on. And then, of course, senior day it takes your distraction away a little bit. You, you've got a depleted Purdue team that, that comes into the season on you know just struggling on their third string quarterback. You should put them away early. And I think that's why you saw some of the sloppy play. And, I you know, I know people read into it and there's recency bias especially in college football and in college football fandom but uh, collectively I think you got to look at the whole picture and, and the whole season and realize that you know this team this is exactly where they not wanted to be with two losses but they've got a shot to beat their rival and get to the uh, Big Ten championship so overall this is kind of where a lot of us expected to be you know in August when we were talking about this two losses from one of these you know from some team down over the schedule and then you know, taking on possibly Ohio State in that Big Ten title game. So our our predictions seem to have a chance to come to fruition that way. Um, getting into the X's and O's parts of it, the the big storyline, which has been the big storyline for the last three weeks, is Jonathan Taylor uh, just continues to dominate. Third straight game against Purdue with over 200 yards. Purdue fans are probably going to be so happy to not see him. Uh, same with Nebraska fans uh, last week, but... What did you see from the running game this week that you liked? And was there anything really different that stood out to you uh, in that phase of the football game? You know, I, I kind of talked about it in the in the three things we learned, but I saw a lot more pre-snap motion, um, jet sweep motion, I should say, um, in which they kind of used, used some uh, – some smoke and mirrors and you can say kind of going back to what Wisconsin had done for so long. Uh, and, and really that kind of threw the Purdue linebackers off quite a bit and where they were able to kind of gash on them. Um, I also liked what I saw in terms of Tyler beach, being able to kind of fill in for Cole Van Landen really nicely. Um, you know, obviously anytime you have a starting lineman go down, it's, it's never great. He's questionable for this upcoming week now. But it, I think it was good to see kind of what he can do as he's probably going to be a guy who's going to have a chance to see um, more snaps next year. But, you know, that motion, they had Kendrick Pryor, obviously, with that big 49-yarder. But then also being able to bring out some of that wildcap with both um, Garrett Groshek and Aaron Crickshank. I thought that was great to see. Crickshank's a guy I just like getting the ball in his hands as much as possible. So I think that's great. And, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the Groshek one when they're going in short yardage. I'd rather when you're leaning on a team so well, you just keep running down their throats instead of getting too cute. But um, overall, I liked having the the three back set where you had both 
Stocky, Crickshank, and Taylor. I thought that really presented some problems. And both Groshek and Crickshank are both former high school quarterbacks, so they have the ability to throw that possibly later on as well. Yeah, and that's just another wrinkle that teams have to look out for. I mean, you think about Wisconsin, you you know that Wisconsin is going to run the football, and they're going to run it predominantly and way more than they're going to throw the ball, and that's that's totally fine, and that's what you expect. But there's other ways that you can run the football, and that's what I think I liked the most is that they're getting creative with their offense. So, yes, on the premise, it's running the football, and it's the same style, but to be able to mix up your looks, get it to different guys in the run game, I think, I think makes a huge difference because you're getting playmakers uh, opportunities. You, you've seen so many times where Quintus Cephas doesn't seem like he gets enough touches. Same thing kind of goes for Cruikshank. I, I think he's finally getting uh, the touches that he deserves to help make an offense more dynamic and, and, and more complicated for defenses to prepare for. I mean, we saw last year the, these games down the stretch where teams were just keying on Jonathan Taylor because it's new they they knew that's all they have had to defend. That's not the case anymore. There's there's a lot more dynamics and, like you said, moving parts in this offense, which I really think helps to to really get this Badgers team on a you know a more dynamic playing field against better teams. Obviously, you're gonna you're gonna give Minnesota the kitchen sink this week, and then you if you take on an Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. You're going to need all all these different phases of your offense to move the ball against them. So I, I really liked uh, what the offense has kind of been these last few weeks. How do you think uh, uh, you talked about it a little bit with with the Groshek stuff and and not leaning on the run? Do you think the offense got a little too cute at times and caused some turnovers and some hiccups that really shouldn't have been been something that happened? You know, I think anytime you're you're trying something new and putting something new on tape for an upcoming opponent, I think there's always the chance that that's going to happen. But I think in the end, that's just things that they they can control. They they were too um, careless with the ball, and that's something that they're going to have to fix. I don't think it was necessarily getting too cute. I think there was opportunities for the Badgers to make big plays, and you know. Y- when they were using play action and when they were going ahead and, and doing some of these creative fly sweep actions. But, you know, I think, I think it wasn't getting too cute. I think, and if anything, it was a nice jolt for something the offense needed. Um, But I think they've got to just clean some of that up because you can't be turning the ball over nearly as much as they did. Do you think they got too cute? I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it too cute either. I think if there was a game to work some of these kinks out and, and try some of this new stuff, it's like it's a Purdue team that's depleted. Granted, they were still battling for a bowl and could have made a bowl, but you want to you don't want to try and bust these things out against a team that you really um, are worried about beating you. I, I think I think the biggest thing for Wisconsin in this game, it seemed more like you said, self-inflicted. You know, I tweeted out during the game, quit playing with your food. It seemed a little bit like that where they were trying too many things and. I wouldn't necessarily say it too cute, but maybe the timing wasn't the best for some of them. I think when they were up 14, I would have liked to see them just continue to hammer it with Jonathan Taylor and put the game away. But overall, you, if if there's a game to work this stuff out, and granted, nobody wants to turn the ball over four times, but if there's a game to do it, you want to go and do it against a depleted Purdue team where you feel like you have control Uh really in the entire game. I know it got dicey and a little tight in that first half, but I guess for me, I, I wasn't super worried in that, in that situation. Were you, I mean, a lot of fans were worried, but were you that you, were you worried about in that spot at all when the, when things were kind of looking a little dicey? 
you know, I, I was for a, for a brief moment, but I mean, once Zach Hintz drilled that, that huge bomb, that was like the place just exploded. And I kind of just knew that that was like such a momentum jumper that it really helped the team in a big way. And I think I saw the stat uh, a while back that, that, that flex time in between like the last five minutes before the half, halftime in the last five minutes after halftime the Badgers have been one of the best in the nation and I think that was indicative of it indicative of it right there Wisconsin kind of was able to get some momentum going and kind of never looked back so I think that if if it wasn't for that play I think I would have had heightened uh worries uh going forward yeah and that's fair I I I agree with you in a sense that you know, I, I was not new super worried because I just knew what Purdue had and I knew what Wisconsin would be able to do. But that was certainly, like you said, a momentum a momentum builder. So let's talk about that kick a little bit. I wasn't at the game, so I didn't see it. I was watching it at home. And, man, from at least from that angle, it looked impressive. But how much more impressive was it uh, just from your perspective being at the game? And was that on your end zone that you sit in? Yeah, it was it was near my end zone, so it was really nice vantage point to see that. And you know, he absolutely just drilled that thing. That I had there was a guy a couple rows back, and he was like, "What the hell are they doing?" You know, <laughs> trouncing him out there with with a sixty-two yarder. And you know, I was doing the math quick, and I was like, "Geez, that's sixty plus." Uh, and and sure enough, he went out there and and did it. And it was such a cool moment and kind of surreal for a guy who hasn't really had that many opportunities. It was only a second kick. Uh, the other one, albeit was the 62 yarder again. So it, it was such a cool moment for him on senior day to go out there and just show what he can do. And, you know, he's, he can really boom the ball. And as we see on kickoffs all the time. So it was something that I think he'll never forget. And a lot of fans will never forget now that that's kind of uh, in the record books for the Badgers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How could you forget? I mean, like you said, school record, and uh, obviously he was excited. I, I love the emotion from him after he made it, and the team was was all hyped up, and how could you not be? That was <laughs> It was incredibly impressive. Just the sheer whip of his leg to get that ball there was, was something I never expected to see. I wasn't super surprised when they tried it, just given what we've seen on the kickoffs and just knowing the leg that he has, but... I, I just I couldn't believe that it actually went through and, and looked pretty good. It's not like it I don't think it got lucky or just barely got there or got pushed with and there was no weather to push it. He just put it through the uprights, which is pretty impressive. Do you think if, he should get more? Oh go ahead. I was just say if anything, it was it was more impressive because of the weather, just because it was so cold, you know. It was at, it was it was impressive, no doubt about it. Yeah, he. I mean, I I never would have expected a 62-yarder just given the kicking woes that Wisconsin has had this year. Um, but it, it was awesome to see, and obviously that's something that you, at the end of a half, you you don't expect college kickers to be able to hit from 60 plus, or a lot of times you don't attempt it with him. You got that in your back pocket in case you need to pull it out again. Who knows? It's it's nice. It's not an issue to have a kicker that can that can really boom it from long yardage. Do you think that he should maybe get some more opportunities in shorter situations or is it, I guess for me, it, it seems like it kind of plays to a skill set for these long kicks, but what is your kind of take on that? Yeah, I think if, if you need a 50 plus yarder, I think he's your guy. I think he's, he's earned that right. And he's a guy that you can kind of turn to if you need that big deep shot. But I think Colin Larsh is, is still the guy you turn to anything inside 50. He's, he's been very sporadic in terms of, his kicking this year, but at the same time, he's a younger guy. He's going to be there next year. I don't think you want to derail his confidence by 
taking them out uh, this late in the season and kind of being like, yeah, you just made three kicks your two games ago, but I think we're going to go in a different direction after we've kind of ran with you this whole time. It's, it's very similar to kind of the Mason Crosby uh, thing that happened a few years ago where I think, you know, you, you put your trust in the guy and just assume that he's going to figure it out. And if not, you just, you add to the, the uh, recruiting pool of kickers and, and see what happens because the best man should win. And, you know, I think if, if uh, during fall camp uh, it would have been, one thing to kind of go back and forth, but now I think you're too deep in it to, to make that change after, especially after he's kicked better lately. Yeah. I mean, you're invested at this point. I mean, it's, we're in week 14 now. Do you really want to make that switch? And, and really, why do you have to, if, you know, there, there's no rule in the NCAA rule book that says you can't have two, you can, you can have an you know inside 30 yards guy and you can have a 35 to 40, where maybe you got to decide between the two and then you've got a, 45 to 50 to 62 and if you if you need to bust that out you need to bust it out and nobody's saying you can't do that so um i i think you got to stick with a large long term just to keep his confidence for next year but if there's a if there's an opportunity where hints gets the call and they they need to try a long one there you go throw him out there and see what happens he's he's proven it uh and he's certainly got the leg to to make some long ones so i don't think there's anything that that says that they won't if, if they need to. There's a lot of kicker talk. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that was a big storyline of that game. But let's get into uh, the defense a little bit. Um, flashes of good, I think, for for parts, uh, but some flashes of bad again. So, Matt, what kind of stood out to you uh, on the defensive effort on Saturday? I think the big thing was was that they came out flat, you know, and they they bid on all of the the trick plays that Purdue used. So that was that was just kind of an eyesore, and it made you just you know slap your chair. But um, they they were able to turn it around, so to speak. You know, that those first three drives they gave up over 200 yards uh, right away, and then if for the game they only gave up you know 370 something. So they turned it around. They fixed a lot of those things. Got some big stops later um, that kind of gave at least me some some pause in in being so worried about the defense I think they still have a lot to clean up especially in the secondary which is where I think they struggled the most but overall you know they they did a nice job against the run once again um, holding Purdue to only I think it was like 44 yards or something like that on the ground or 50 yards on the ground so on 20 attempts so they did a nice job they had some good things but I, I think you, you definitely have to be um, a little worried with how the game started um, going against a team that has a decent passing attack. They're one of the better ones in the Big Ten, but Minnesota's got a lot better attack, and that's something the Badgers are going to need to be way more prepared for because you can't make those adjustments on the fly if you're, if you're already down by a big margin, which you know Minnesota could do. Um, what did you see out of the defense? Yeah, I think I think for the most part the secondary issues were glaring given the trick plays and the big chunk plays, but overall I, I think that's more of a full defensive issue than anything. And we're gonna talk about it in a little bit here, but uh, the front seven in terms of pressure has, has kind of fallen off a little bit and I think that, you know, they work hand in hand where if you've if you're you know, blitzing, Jim Leonard loves to blitz, and if you're blitzing a lot of guys and they're not getting there, you're going to give up chunk plays simply because your secondary is left out there with not a lot of help. So it's a give and take uh, sort of thing where we've seen Wisconsin's defense be dominating when they're when they're getting to the quarterback, and when they're not, 
You're going to give up some chunk plays. You're going to have some issues with that. Um, I think what stood out for me the most was, again, the tackling wasn't great. Uh, I think just overall it was a sloppy game for Wisconsin on both sides. Um, That's things that are kind of inexcusable that you have to clean up, and you expect them to clean up and be more focused on it this week, just given the implications of the game and what's at stake. But um, I think that part was, was pretty glaring to me. What did you make of the tackling? Yeah, I mean, it was still definitely a, a concern. You know, Purdue was able to hit some big plays. Um, you know, they had longs of 29, 37, 38. So it's like they they were definitely hitting on some some bigger passes, which which were and a lot of that coming on the after the catch. So I think, like you said, when when you've got so many guys going towards the quarterback on the blitz, try to get some heat on the on a quarterback it leaves your cornerbacks your safeties your linebackers on an island in that hat on hat position where you're going to have to make the tackle and you know obviously Wisconsin's been struggling in space with those tack with the tackling and I think the big thing is going to be making sure that everybody's flying around and trying to get as many hats on the ball as possible so that it's if one guy does miss that tackle there's two or three guys right behind him um, quickly to to wrap him up so it doesn't instead of um, it ended up being a 30-yard gain. That 15-yard catch uh, isn't compounded into that big gain. It's a 17-yard catch um, because one guy missed a tackle, but the other guy was right there to help him out. So I think right. I think you had a good analysis on that. That guys are you know you're rushing so many different guys, or you're trying to get to the quarterback. It leaves open spaces where if you don't knock down the pass or you don't tackle them right away, it gives lots of space for them to run. Yeah, and that, you know, I know we're going to dive into Minnesota more later in the week, but that matchup this week is going to be fascinating to watch just simply because Jim Leonard loves to bring pressure and sometimes leave his guys a little isolated in the secondary. But Minnesota is a team that has hit on big plays. That's kind of their offense. I mean, um, Tanner Morgan is is top five in yards per completion. They they hit you underneath with slants, and then they go over the top. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see the 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 mindset from Leonard on whether he pulls guys back and takes the pressure off, or if he brings it more and you just have to get there. So, in, in terms of a, a matchup, coaches versus coaches using chess pieces and matchups uh, versus other chess pieces and matchups, that's going to be a a really fun thing to watch for, and I would love to watch it. If I wasn't from a fan perspective, it would be just an X and O perspective would be fun, but it's nerve wracking uh, from a fan perspective, just knowing that that's how this thing's going to go. But uh, we'll get into more on obviously that, uh, you know, in our Minnesota preview. But like we touched on a little bit already, sacks have kind of fallen off in this defense. And I think that's something that we all look at the secondary and people are questioning the secondary, but that's a big part of it. Uh, early in the season, and they've averaged three and a half sacks per game this season, right? The last three games, it's just been uh, 2.3. So, Matt, what do you think the the defense needs to improve on to do that and to get back to where they were? And, you know, how much does that contribute to those chunk plays given up? Yeah, I think it contributes to it in a in a huge way. But I, I think they they need to be able to get some pressure when you're just bringing four, just bringing five. I, I really liked uh, at times when the Badgers would go a little bit more multiple, use a few more linebackers. Um, you know, when they brought in like say a Leo Chanel or you know were brought three inside linebackers, took a defensive lineman off the field, try to get some more speed out there. Um, especially against a team like Purdue, I, I saw a lot of. Uh, you know, bigger down linemen, you see, you saw Keanu Benton out there a decent amount, e- even though they weren't 
necessarily a big round and pound team. So I think I think trying to get a little bit more multiple on defense, trying to bring bring pressure, but at, at the at the same time trying to get um, creative in some of those looks where you might drop a guy, uh, drop a lineman, drop a guy who's athletic to be able to knock a pass down. Um, I, I would like to see that, especially um, to to kind of smoke and mirrors against them because Minnesota is going to be looking to to like you said throw slants. They're one of the best slant teams I've seen all season long. So the Badgers need to be able to kind of bring guys, but also drop somebody right into that space and and hope that uh, Tanner Morgan didn't see it coming. Yeah, exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head with sometimes you're going to have to bring pressure from and you're going to have to bring pressure and and win on those plays with even numbers where maybe you're not bringing an extra guy you're just winning one-on-one matchups and when you can do that as a defense I think that makes a huge difference and then of course take some pressure off that secondary so it's going to be a huge test for this team as they prepare for this week and get into this week and and watch the tape on these guys I mean they have excellent receivers for Minnesota that we'll, that we'll talk on later in the week but I think just from a perspective that the whole defense is going to have to improve and be tested on and and be really be focused in a crucial matchup but kind of my last question for the for the day in this preview or this recap for Purdue and kind of closing the book on Purdue we know there were some things that were sloppy but overall took care of business got the win got to where they wanted to go so it, it's kind of a moot point to overanalyze a, a game like that what do you hope that the Badgers kind of take from this past week against Purdue and focus on this week as they head into a much bigger game in Minnesota. You know, I th- I think the big thing for me is is going to be offensively continuing to get creative in how you get the ball to your playmakers, um, making it so that Jack Cohn doesn't necessarily have to throw the ball way down the field. How you can do it in the run game with the weather being so, kind of a crap shoot coming up here, um, and then defensively, I'm to see what Jim Leonard concocts. He, he can really uh, scheme with the best of them, and I hope that he, he is able to do that because I think giving Minnesota looks that they haven't seen this year would be huge. The Badgers, I think doing that will kind of throw them off their rhythm and allow the Badgers to maybe get back to a spot where they're all flying to the ball, get those those tackles, not allowing the big thing, but also then pushing for turnovers. Um, you know, we had talked about that the Badger defense has kind of fallen off a bit here lately, and a part of that was because, like you said, the tackling walls, but it's also the turnovers. In those first, the first six games, the Badgers had 14 turnovers, and they only had five of their own. So, you know, plus nine is really, really good. Um, but then lately, since since the Michigan State game, it, it's kind of flipped on them, and it's uh, mm-hmm. not for the better. You know, they've they've turned the Badgers have now turned the ball over 12 times and only gotten four of their own. So it, I think that's a big thing is trying to get creative in what you're doing, but also fly into the ball and looking to make splash plays, make splash turnovers because in a big game, uh, you know, against your rival, you're going to need turnovers and you can't be putting the ball on the ground yourself. Right, right. I mean, you think of last year's rivalry game, you know, Alex Hornibrook's farewell showing that he had with three interceptions <laughs> and, and a fumble. I think he only lost one fumble, but he fumbled twice, I remember. And yeah, that that's what happens when you turn the ball over against your rival. And Minnesota's a lot better on both sides of the ball this year. So you, you can't afford that. But I think, you know, I, I totally agree. I think that's kind of the same focus that I would have, you know, from a from a fan and, and analysis perspective. Uh, but but on the plus side, those are things that really Wisconsin can can kind of control their own way and they can clean up on themselves. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to hope for a miracle from Minnesota. Those are all things that 
you know, pretty much you can you can count on your team to clean up and practice if you have a good focused week uh, in preparation for this game. So overall, I, I think it's going to be a a positive, and hopefully that kind of transitions and carries over to Saturday's matchup. But as for uh, the Purdue recap, that's kind of all I have. Matt, you got anything else you want to hit on? Uh, I just want to say Quintus Cephas just had such a good game last game. Like that one catch that he had where he was falling back and adjusted was a thing of beauty. And, you know, I, I just wish that they could have gotten him the ball on that on that deep post that he had, too. I mean, he he's he's looked so impressive this year. And I think he's going to be a big a big player for this this game coming up where he's a bigger catch, a bigger guy to catch the ball against some of the smaller cornerbacks that Minnesota has. And, you know, the Badgers aren't going to be looking to throw the ball a lot in the snow, but he, he's a guy that, you know, I've really been impressed with what he's done all season long. And I think this might've even been one of maybe his best game um, in terms of may, making some difficult catches that weren't necessarily uh, perfectly thrown to him. Yeah, he's been he's been amazing. It'd be it'd be kind of scary to see where this offense would be without him, just given that he's clearly been the number one you know receiving option. And you know, for just uh, I know we've talked about this so many times on the podcast, but just all the stuff he was going through preseason to just you know have that ruling and and get back on the field and then turn it on right away from from the first game and just be you know the number one threat for for the Badgers has been incredibly impressive. And I couldn't be a bigger fan of, of his game and anything like that. So that's a, that's a good point. Cause we, we should have touched on that a little earlier just with how good of a game he's had. And I, I hope for the offense perspective that they are trying to work him in and, and get him as many touches as possible this Saturday. Cause he's a game breaker. He's a difference maker for sure. No doubt. All right, guys, that wraps up our Purdue recap. As we mentioned, you know, that we're only, only at about a half hour right now, but we said this one's going to be a little short. Uh, and again, this next one's going to be a little long because Matt and I are going to preview or recap, I should say, the uh, Wisconsin basketball tournament because we'll be able to see both of those games. And then, of course, uh, we'll get into the huge rivalry game with Minnesota, do our full recap that we normally do. And then we're going to have someone from the Daily Gopher on, as we always do, to preview Minnesota, give us our insight, uh, same schedule as usual in terms of the podcast, but a little shorter today. Uh, a little longer later in the week just to give you guys uh, everything you're looking for and then, of course, give you some time to listen to it when you're traveling for the holidays or, or getting ready. I know everybody's got a busy schedule this this entire week, really. So um, that's kind of all we've got. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to tune in for our Minnesota preview later in the week on Wisconsin.